There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's right. How oh, you like that? Do you like that? Is yeah, that good? It shades of the opening of Balloon Party. And uh, I'm always cool. But then it. it got naughty. It's it did. like run the bath water, or if you're not near a bath, grab your Hitachi magic wand and let's go. Right. I say draw it's, a bath. Mm, um, that makes it hotter. Right. But this is like Balloon Party after dark. <laughs> I, you know, I solicited QFTA emails from the uh, Balloon Party audience today. Yeah, yeah that I, that would be a great addition. A nice little infusion into the program. Bureautic stories would be intriguing. Uh, Jackson, welcome to QFTA. My name is Tim McKernan. Uh, your name is Jackson Burkett. Mm-hmm. And now that we have covered those specifics, we thank our sponsors who make uh, the podcast possible. The great James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Uh, the great Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. The great Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling. The great Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, and Peter Munganest of Munganest, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. And, of course, Ryan Kelly and the Home Loan Expert dot com studios uh tim mckernan action jackson uh, really just i mean we're loaded for bear here i, I you know I, I i'm I'm impressed by what the people are bringing to the table you're yep. going to be pleased Love it. we just got out of a sales meeting tim mckernan at inside stl.com anything and everything is welcome of course still haven't gotten an email that's pissed me off uh tmckernan at inside stl.com what i up it to 150 dollars yeah yep but you said that's real cap it I got to cap it there because I think some people might just be like, I want to wait till he gets to 1500 Yeah, on the table. 150 is the cap. Uh, but uh, get really quality emails from the listeners, and uh, it leads to random discussions. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. We were just walking out of a sales meeting, and Jackson said, yeah, uh, DraftKings Cal sent one in. And I'm thinking, boy, I didn't see that. And then are you getting them? But DraftKings Cal sends them to both of us. He does. And he sent this in. We are recording as we speak at 12, 11 p.m., on September 5th, 2023, and he sent this in at 11.59 a.m. So this is fresh off the griddle. Mm. This is right off the griddle. Yeah, it's still hot. QFTA is the title of the email, and he begins, and then Ken happened. Mm. Hey, boys, there have been other comments about this topic, but I wanted to hammer it head on, and I say this with only love. What's going on with Iggy? It seems he's weaseled his way into running his own version of point on TMA over the last couple of months. Question for Tim. You've made statements about how you don't talk as much as you used to on TMA. <laughs> I don't, but I'm not, it's a, not even not as much as I used to. I just, I, I talk, here, let's bring up pie charts, Love Jackson. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, this is now being live on, where are we now? MSNBC. I thought we were on Fox Business. I signed a uh, new deal. They, they simulcast. Right, MSNBC, Fox Business, or simulcasting. Uh, On this podcast, let's just do percentages because some people aren't watching Fox Business right now. The and there's only two motherfuckers in here, so it's pretty easy math. The percent, I guess, it's going to be the same way for balloon parties. This will be fun. Tell me how much the 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 share of words on this show is. I'd say eighty-eight percent you, 
God, that makes me feel good because I thought you might be like, oh, motherfucker, 99%. No, 88%. All right. I think 88%. I would actually good. say it's higher than that, but I'm glad. I, I like to hear that it's 88. 88 would be my number okay. for this for QFTA or okay. Tim McCurran show. All right. So, therefore, 12% for you. All right. Now, let's go to Balloon Party. What is our pie chart showing for that? I'd say 68% you, and then I fill out the rest. God, this makes me feel good. Yeah. Because I wonder, even though I know you're not like desiring to be on air guy certainly not in, in the capacity of like one 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 espn right <laughs> but i was not like, shocked but just being honest no 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 i understand the uh that you because if you were like yeah i don't talk much then it could be like yeah all you do is talk no. now i guess theoretically that's my job on 101 on this this is our own thing and right. so we can do whatever even though it's got my name on it the sea monster has been a part of it gangster pete's been a part of it now you are a part of it um Sea Monsters role certainly more in guest booking than anything else. But uh, that makes me feel good that you feel that way. I probably would have gone over. I would have said probably 92% on this and like 77% on Balloon Party. I give myself a little bit of room for margin okay. of error there. But, but yeah. hey, no, it makes me feel bad that you're on that end as opposed to uh, being above it. All right. And now what DraftKings Cal is referencing, the TMA pie chart. Five motherfuckers. Five motherfuckers. Yeah. Let's take out the live reads. Okay, that's important. Let's take out the 707 in St. Louis. Right, Houston. right. And let's take out... Just like, like you're talking like straight talking on the radio, not stuff that is like... I call not it bumpers. My, my responsibilities right. as the point person of the program. I cannot wait to hear... Your pie chart. This is an easy one. Five motherfuckers. Yeah, I know. Let me pull out my calculator. Jackson live. is now. Math is tough for me. So. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold on a second. We're gonna do this live on podcast. I'm opening up an Excel spreadsheet. Boy, do I have a lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> and I. And so we're taking that out. So we're okay. taking out live reads. Yep. We're taking out the the formatics is what I would call it. And and we will enter in our numbers on the actual conversation I'm just I'm doing I'm doing I'm getting my percentage here I'll do I'll show my work here I'm doing my percentage of how much Iggy talks and then taking that minus 100 or 100 minus that number <laughs> That's probably the right formula if you're doing this and then I can generate from that number the rest of the guys on the show don't 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 no, you can't say you can't say we're just gonna do you have the time kill music at your disposal i wish god that'd be should lovely. i read an erotic story while this is going on that would be lovely um, <sighs> i gotta get it to 100 okay. all right now i'm gonna figure out what my total is because i've oh boy that can't funny. be right This is important, though. I, I'm, I'm legitimately anxious to see what we come up with. This is because it's, it's all about perception. Audience, this is an exercise you can do at home as well. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I really feel good about my numbers, too. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty... I'm a little... All right. Uh, who do you have speaking the most on TMA as of September 5th, 2023? Ken, Iggy, oh. Strode. And what percentage did you give him? This might be high, but I really think it's accurate because we're excluding live reads <laughs> right. and any of the stuff like business stuff. I have it at 44%. <laughs> oh, God. 
<laughs> I have it at 44%. All right. Uh, who comes in second place? Darren the Plowhawk oh Atkins. Oh, my God. My world is being rocked here. Darren the Plowhawk Atkins. <laughs> and I have him at about 16%. Wow. Okay, hold on a second. So you had Iggy at 44%. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Plowhawk at 16%. Oh, boy. I didn't realize. Wow. So, but hey, I mean, you're you're back there and you're taking it in. You're the only person yeah. who listens to everything live yep. on the show. So this, you have more credibility than, wow. Okay, so that leaves sixty percent for me, you, and Doug. That's right. How, how'd you chop that up? So, so that leaves. What a disclaimer. Well, Living and hauling. Forty. Forty. It leaves forty percent. Forty percent. Yes. Forty percent. Sorry. Bad math. Forty percent. I'd say you and Doug. Do fifteen percent a piece, okay. so just one percentage point behind the Plowhawk, and that leaves me at the final ten. Okay, we we have a pretty solid discrepancy. The only one that we're really close on is I gave the Plowhawk fifteen percent. Okay, you gave the Plowhawk sixteen percent. Yeah, I had Iggy number one at thirty percent. I had Doug number two at twenty eight percent. I had me number three. I feel like this is high at 23%, Plowhawk at 15%, and you at 4%. Yeah. Now, I'd say I'd say somewhere in between our numbers is the – in lies the answer. I'm just like – I'm like I'm thinking of like the last week's show. You can't do that, though. You can't green I know, it. but I'm just using it as like, as like a sample size, like a good five-show sample size. And, there, I mean, there's – 30 minute swatches cut out where it's 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 Ken. I honestly don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that can be the title of the podcast. I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> I mean, the reality is I know, you know, I know the metrics and I know the dollars and then therefore you don't mess with something. Sure. That's that's just it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just kind of there. Yeah. And yeah. hey, I'm not like I want to talk more to give more takes. Right. I'm fine. You know, Ella Reese, a lot of pictures of her uh, Apple Watch when she works out, so not as much for me to scroll through there. That's been irritating me lately. Right. Um, TikTok's entertaining me, I suppose. Tough to do with no sound. Tough to do with no sound, though. You're exactly right. That's exactly right. So I just kind of go, well, I have two other shows. Yep. That's, when, that's when I'll get these takes <laughs> off. <laughs> and... Because I, we need to, if, if you want to, if you want to have a real conversation about the volume or the percentage of the words, I don't know what the, what is this, like, are you saying then, or is one saying, I don't like it the way that it currently is, and I would prefer this, um, and then therefore you have to understand there, there's an allocation of dollars, so you can't play the... Man, I really wish they brought on this person and then brought on this person and brought that's not the way that works. The fact that we have five motherfuckers yeah. on an HC two show, I'm sure internally some people in the building are going, What the hell are we doing? Right. So the fact that I'm like publicly pushing for KG and O Town to be added to the show, not and I like him on the show, but it's more about his social media capabilities because I really believe we can grow the show. That is my reasoning. Uh, that brings it to six. Six motherfuckers. Yeah. 
So there's a budget. There is a budget for the dollars for the show as far as salaries go. And uh, then there's also the revenue pool. And I am aware of what the ballpark numbers are. I don't know exactly what everybody on TMA is making like I did back when I was the one way back when uh, writing the checks nearly a decade ago now. And uh, and then I certainly have an idea, I, I almost to the dollar, of what the revenue is. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that all said... If one and I don't, th- it's not like people are necessarily complaining no. per se. I guess people are complaining, but they kind of find it amusing. I feel like it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, some of it I think is is certainly legitimate complaining. Like I don't like it, but then what is then? Then that's fine. But as I say, when we have conversations like this, usually about things not necessarily about our show, I'm like, okay, what is the solution? What is your proposal? And realize there are ramifications now i can tell you this before we even get into the conversation the conversation isn't really going to go on between me and you because we're not the ones complaining right i operate on one truth and that is the following if and when something happens with tma and it is not popular even if i have nothing to do with it i will be blamed for it you are nodding rapidly. So I don't. I, so I. I don't. I don't think there's a real. I. Think, I don't. I don't even think DraftKings Cal is saying. Let's. See, I didn't even finish the email. Are you happy with the current cell? Well, there you go. Are you happy <laughs> with the current state of the show? That's what happens when the email comes in. Literally right when we're sitting down to record. Are you happy with the current state of the show? And would there come a point where you have a conversation with Ken about his interrupting, hijacking tendencies? Do you feel like his new quote role makes the show quote better? A lot of quotes. Mm-hmm. I'll hang on. Listens. Kisses Cal. Um. I don't. I don't. I. I. I feel like now we're getting into the area of creating a problem when there isn't a problem. Right. And there's a. That's. And a, then it becomes like a narrative thing. And it, and like I said, I know it's working, and so, therefore, that's how I. That's through which the because because you have subjective. And subjective is I like it. Or I don't like it, and you and I can talk. Like the girl next door, I think it's a wonderful film, and I would watch it anytime it's on. You think it's warm garbage? I wouldn't go that far. Okay, but it's something I wouldn't watch if it was just on. But that's you know, subjective, sure. But then there are downloads, subscribers, dollars. That's objective. Mm-hmm. And so, what oftentimes for the hardcore fans of TMA that can become truths whether it be written about as texts on the show or emails or on the TMA fan page, um, aren't actually aren't actual truths, but they become like narratives. The example I oftentimes use with regards to me is, oh, all he does, not, not necessarily the guys on the show or people at Hubbard, but oh, all he does is talk porn and interview porn stars. And I'd just be like, yeah, that isn't, I mean, it isn't true, but mm-hmm. that's the thing. Or on the other side of it, Frank Cusimano, all he does is talk high school basketball. And I'd be like, well, that isn't true either. Right. But these things just become, and then it becomes like we become caricatures of a sliver of our personalities. And then they become narratives off of which discussions are built that aren't necessarily built on solid foundation. Right. Might sound incredibly abstract and poorly worded, but that's what this can turn into. Oh, did you listen to Tim and Jackson? They're not happy with where the show is. And that is not it. The show has never had a better year than 2023. That's 
the math. I, I don't know. I, that's not. We're not a publicly traded company, so yeah. I realize that's not information people have. But when you come to downloads, when you come to dollars, that's the reality. So much so that they're you know pushing. And again, things that can be beyond our control can factor into it. Um, but I am pushing for and hoping we will have a sixth member of the show. But like I said, you can have economic things pop into factoring into decisions, and that's that's beyond our uh, our control. But either way, therefore, it's not like I'm sitting there going, well, I've got to talk. I don't view it that way. I've never viewed it as my show, ever. Never have, never have. Didn't really like it when it would be called, I mean, I can't control what's written, but didn't really like it when it'd be Tim McKernan and crew. Right. Because I'm like, it isn't and crew. Yeah. You know, it's it's the crew along with me that makes the thing work. So right. I'd like the crew to be named. But I can't control what's written about me, certainly, and our show. But that's that's how I've always viewed it. And when I was a free agent, I would tell these places, including Hubbard, I'd said, hey, if you you want TMA or you want the stuff that you attach to me, that's that's a that's a group of people. That's mm-hmm. not just me by myself. Now yeah. there may come a time where I do want to do my own thing completely, full time. I don't know. I don't know. But that's something that I've been thinking about, you know, obviously, uh, for a long time. It isn't, I'm like, hold on a second. I'm not talking enough on TMA. And therefore, I just don't, I don't, I don't care. Now, if I notice that the downloads were decreasing, and if I notice that the advertising revenue were decreasing, and it was because people were saying, I just don't like the show as much as I used to. Then at that moment, now you have objective data that yeah. may be the byproduct of subjective, but either way, now it's subjective. And now you go, okay, well, things aren't working like they had been, so you got to adjust. Yeah. That's how, that's the prism through which I view things. Jackson, thoughts, concerns, questions? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of fair. And that, I mean, anytime you're working in something like this, entertainment platforms, you're constantly doing the balance of, of objective or subjective. I'm talking like I'm some sort of network executive, but I understand the game is that, you know, people might say this show sucks, this show sucks, that sucks, this part of the show sucks, but until it becomes objective data, it's simply opinions. And opinions are important and you want to please as much of the listenership as you can, but ultimately, you know, the scoreboard is objective. And when things are going well on the objective side, not really a good idea, probably not the best idea to start changing things on the subjective side. But once, like you said, that transitions from subjective to objective, then things can be changed. And I'm, yeah. I can promise you from my booth that I'm totally like, I'm, I'm, I think it's great. I sit there and listen to the show all day and laugh my ass off and love it. And I know that, you know, like for, after Thursday with the Mizzou football talk, I was like, I, I know I'll have plenty of opportunity once we go down the hallway to give my opinions on what I saw last night in the Mizzou game. And it doesn't piss me off that, you know, they're this or that or the third is being discussed at the moment like never really has never really will i assume uh, uh, so i'm yeah i'm i'm fine uh so i want to make sure i guess this is like when you ask uh multi-part questions mm-hmm. on the little piddles weekend wrap up and half and half uh what's going on with it I mean, what's going on with Iggy? Uh, it seems he's weaseled his way it's got a negative connotation the the term he weaseled his way into running his own version of point on tma over the last couple of months uh question for tim you've made statements about how you don't talk as much as you used to on TMA. I'm paraphrasing. Are you happy with the current state of the show? 
And would there come a point where you have a conversation with Ken about his interrupting? So that that's an example. And I'm not. This isn't like I'm mad at you, Cal, for doing it. But this is an example of you write something that is your opinion, and then later you use that as a fact to build a question off of. Right. Cal is not the only person who's ever done it. It's just one of those things. This is how, if I'm in an argument with somebody, parentheses, my wife, and that kind of debate tactic is moving. Well, yeah, you're you're operating fallacy. off of a, a fallacy. Yeah, it's a fallacy. And then building your argument off of something that actually you're, you're supposing is true. And then, so you're sitting here supposing that I'm like, I don't like the show or that I'm unhappy with how much I get to talk. I couldn't care any less how much I talk. Is the show good? Are we happy with the show? Is everybody on the show getting along? That's never really been an issue. Right. Um, and then is the show performing? Is is Hubbard happy with the show? That also is an, an important thing. And is is the advertising revenue there? Is the downloads continuing to trend in a positive direction with increasing each month? Those are the things that I have to be cognizant of. And anybody who's on the show, it's not just me. I speak like I'm, you know, I, I suppose I'm more aware of it because I have done it longer and, you know, aware of the uh, the metrics I suppose to look into. Like I doubt the Plowhawk or Iggy or digging into uh, the metrics or the advertising. I mean, they didn't even know we had a remote at Norwood and, you know, uh, you would have thought it was the biggest deal in the world. It's just, we're just all operating on different levels of uh, attention to detail, I suppose. Right. But it doesn't matter. That, But that's what makes the show, that's what makes the show work is that you have, you know, these different personalities. Exactly. From my standpoint, that's what makes it work, and that's what I find amusing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, if I were sitting here and listen, I don't know how I would handle it if I'm like, oh, you know, the show's advertising revenue is, is down to, you know, I don't know, down 25%, let's say. That'd be a big issue if it were. Down 25%. Um, as in people aren't buying. Not a case where a business changes hands, goes out of business, whatever. Those things you can't control. But I'm talking about people are canceling their buys. Right. Um, and then I see the downloads, that's going in a different direction. And you see certain numbers that we can see. Then I would go, okay, what's going on here? And then do we need to do something differently? But right. instead, it's going the other way. And so, therefore, it's one of those things. And I feel like when we were KFNS, it's one of the complaints of the audience. It's like this show is, and those of us on the show for that matter, this show is performing. Just let it, be, just be grateful that you have it. That's how I, I sometimes have to just remind myself, like, oh, my God, I'm fucking exhausted. I got to be grateful that I have this. This right. is my job. Right. And I am. I mean, I am... 46 years old and I really don't feel like I've ever had a job there have been certainly been times where it doesn't it's not about a job it's just about about the outside circumstances but I'm just grateful that I've gotten this far in my career so that's the that's the lens through which I I view it and I don't really you know if I really want to talk about something I'm going to talk about it you know, it's also, it's a different kind of deal. If I am going, I, my most, I don't want to say, because I'm going to make it sound like I'm not honest on TMA. My my highest comfort level of talking about anything is this show right. without question. Right. But that's because I will talk about anything. There are certain topics on TMA that you probably know, but maybe you don't spot it as early as I do. I'm like, okay, I got, I heard that. I know it's going to do this. And then I know somehow it's going to go to politics. Even though at the at the moment, probably for most people in the audience, they're 
they didn't flash and I'm like okay I know I'm going to have to jump in yep, to, to 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 reel it back from because I know the direction it's going and you know take your pick of that um, or if on the off chance that something is said that just is is factually incorrect uh, I'll step in there yep. but other than that I mean it's just the five of us bullshitting right for our jobs for three hours and most of the time laughing with an audience that is incredibly invested and loves it and i you know i I suppose it's a brag but i kind of don't fucking care because it it just is it's it shows what goes on with the show um and i guess if you're listening to this you already know it but uh it, it was uh the text I got from the buyer for the Ascension Charity Classic. Where in the fuck is my text? Oh, yeah, he texted this morning. Uh, and he texted me about that thing where people get to play with me, and you're going to play next week mm-hmm. at Norwood following the uh, following the Ascension. And let's see what he say. TMA, there's just something different about this audience. Unbelievable. We got... 2,700 entries into that sweepstakes to play golf with you. By far the most entries of any sweepstakes we've ever had for the tournament, and that includes golf with Ozzie Smith and another one with Craig Berube. It's amazing. And I'm not like, see, that proves my star power. It's a TMA thing. I guarantee you if it would have been like with Doug, it would have been just as much. Hell, maybe more. I don't know. But the point being, it's a TMA thing. It's a TMA thing. And so when you have something like that, and advertisers are aware of it, you just go, it's it's what used to be said about, uh, who was the coach at uh, the Fab Five? There was Steve Fisher. Was Steve Fisher Steve the one? Fisher, Steve yes. Fisher, Yeah. Yeah, just, all he used to do is roll the ball out is what was said. Yeah. Yeah, just roll the ball and just enjoy it as long as it lasts because it won't last forever. Right. For whatever reason, it will come to an end. I keep saying that. It will come to an end. And, yeah, it, it, the show has had so many different iterations because I have a weird memory and I guess because I've been on every one of the iterations. I could think back, but I don't know how many times, and I do want to say this from a place of sincerity because it might help drive it home. Something has changed with the show, and then the the, the audience and, and plenty of the people who are listening in 2004, 2005, 2006 aren't listening in 2023. Mm-hmm. And then plenty of people who are listening in 2023 don't even know probably that Martin Kilcoin was on the show initially. Mm-hmm. Oh, the show's over. Oh, the show sucks now. Oh, those were the glory days. Anything that was the past is the glory days. That's exactly. that, but that's also kind of the automatic thing when you have a show that's been on for a while. SNL gets that every it's just, second. It's just, you just, it, but when you're in it and you've seen it long enough. Now, the first time you're reading that or hearing it, it can hit you. Sure. But when you've heard it like 10 different times at 10 different periods over the course of the 19 years, you just kind of go, okay, this is the, it's like when my dad talks about a, a recession or a surge in the economy. It's all cyclical. It's yeah. all cyclical. And now at this point for him, 75 years old, he's kind of bored by it. Um, just like anybody else who's kind of seen it. You're like, oh, wow, this is a great time. Or, man, i got to pull my money out of the market. It's all cyclical. It's all cyclical. And that's that's the So take your pick of, I don't know if it would have been, because Joe was fired in like August, and I don't know if he had the equity at the time. But when Martin quit, Shows over, show sucks. I'm going, man, you know, and at the time, it was the end of the world. Yeah. For for both me and the cat who were left, Joe was gone now, so half of us were gone in a matter of a month and a half. But the audience like, well, the show's over. The show's over. And I just remember thinking to myself, 
I think, and I've said it a hundred times, I think Martin might be the most talented person. And that, that, that's, a, that's intended to be a compliment to Martin, not a criticism. It depends on what you're looking for. But I think like Martin like is like a five-tool player, so to speak. Yeah. Um, like, and I think like if you're like, okay, well, it's Martin or Doug, and I'd say Martin is more than happy to rip somebody's ass if he feels like doing it, whereas Doug is just, that's just not his DNA. So it depends on what you like. Uh, and that's what I that's what I mean by that. Uh, Martin's got a little Strauss in him, or Strauss had a little bit of Martin in him, I suppose, and was unapologetic about it. Uh, along with Doug's quick wit, Martin has that. But they're two totally different styles of humor. Yeah, I agree. Um, so with that all said, uh, I'm like, yeah, I don't think the show's over. But that wasn't because I'm like, well, you still got me, and I'm great. <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking. I'm just like, I think the show's, you know, and then obviously it wasn't because that was 2006. And then I feel like every time a producer has left, it's been like, and it's nothing against the producer. Right. I, I, my, my point being, there are different iterations of the show, and I believe that the show is bigger than any individual, and I include myself in that. And I mean that. I really do mean that. Mm-hmm. I think if I go, hey, I'm done, and Hubbard goes, okay, we want to buy the IP from Tim, and TMA continues, the show can absolutely continue beyond me, without question. I think you have to have you and Doug right um as far as you running point and then mm-hmm. Doug to be somebody to help you know but right. I, I just don't think I don't think it's me um I think it's the group so you know and then, hey maybe I'm wrong on that but I've just seen so many different iterations and I suppose you know Iggy was in a spot for a number of years where he was sitting back there with you or Gangster Pete I guess Seymour as well. Yep. And then he would be like the chime-in guy. Yeah, he was doing a lot more smoking in those times too. Easy for him to duck out. Oh, yeah, he would duck out and have his <laughs> He wasn't there. But, you know, there, there, there's revisionist history on things that are now said that in the moment were criticized. And I was hyper-aware, and I know you know what I'm talking oh, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. And... You know, it's just one of those. It's one of those things. But again, it, it comes with the territory of of doing this. The greatest way to get appreciation for being on TMA is to no longer be on TMA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instant legacy. And you just go, yeah. You know, shall I pull up the receipts? Right, because there's examples <laughs> across the board. Yeah, but you know. I, I can tell you this, having done it as long as I've done it, you cannot, I'll, I guess I will say this, I think Iggy is the most irreplaceable part of the show, including me and Doug. Yeah, because there's... Because there's just nobody else like he's him. He's so unique. Yeah. yeah. Right, I get what you're saying there, yeah. And, and, and Doug and myself have no idea what's real. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, you know, like he sent this text, and I guess he was mad that we... I don't know, I mean... This Jimmy Buffett thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, not that anybody knows what my sleep habits are. I try to get into bed by 8.15. That's the goal. And then my wife and I try to be able to have some time where it's just the two of us because our now six-year-old, he could he could stay up until 2 in the morning. He yeah. just could. It's just who he is. 
and one of us has to make sure that he actually does fall asleep. Otherwise, he'll be in there building Legos or yeah. watching shows or God only knows. So, you know, I turn my phone on Do Not Disturb, and then I turn on my, my series of alarms and pop pills, and I'm gone. Yeah. So I wake up this morning to a text from Iggy to, a, to the group on the show. Yeah, the TMA group, which is, a, <laughs> as you might be surprised, maybe gets a text a week, if that. So we're going to have a new line of TMA merchandise, some outstanding stuff, by the way. Very for real. This isn't stuff. like salesmanship. It's just, it is. Uh, and, uh, and I asked for everybody's sizes so everybody could have some of the shirts and the hoodies. And I got everybody's sizes, and then, you know, and then I guess what's uh, Iggy sent this at 819, yeah, so I was already in my... Can we open this show with a tribute to Jimmy Buffett, play our regular open, then go into come, into, come Monday? And nobody responded. <laughs> you motherfuckers responded. <laughs> and then I wake up at whatever time I wake up today, five, and I'm just like, well, I don't understand. And then, I, and, then, but then I'm conscious of, like, probably me and you and maybe the Plowhawk are the only ones who are up. Yeah. And I don't know who's got Do Not Disturb on, but there's a good chance Iggy doesn't or doesn't know how to turn Do Not Disturb on, so I would wake him up. And then I'm just like, well, n- n- first off, it's that's like, what is our show's tie into Jimmy Buffett? N- none. And then secondly, I don't think that we can just play his music like in the middle of the show without Plowhawk having to do the... It would be... It's just not something we've done. It's some never done. Like, never have we ever... The... Marty Hubbard Marty but in years past Andy Hanselman or whoever does the voiceover ends by saying you know the last sentence of the open and then you talk right been going on for 20 years never has then a song just started playing <laughs> after that and then we now start if talking. Jimmy Buffett were a regular on the program that would make some more right. sense but it just was you know it'd be weird that the only artist who ever died in the time of tma has been on would be jimmy buffett gets to the tribute so anyway i don't respond to the text because i'm conscious of not wanting to wake people up sure but i these that's the first thing i do is i see my text yeah see what ella reese has posted overnight right Usually and then i have lot. my coffee <laughs> and then i have my coffee and, you know, then I just start reading and watching yeah. uh, Scott Van Pelt at the background. That's, that's essential. That's the excitement level. But I have peace. I have no young children running around, and it's a very uh, peaceful time in the morning. So anyway, I gather Iggy was irritated. I could be wrong. That's the th- that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm in there, and I don't know. Right. So Plowhawk played for the return music at 8 o'clock. Right, that, that is something we, we, we do. Right. We do. We play return music. So he's playing it, and he goes, this is for Iggy, but he's not here. <laughs> right, like that is something we, we play return music as and, a tribute. And here's me and the Plowhawk and Doug, and we're like, we don't know if he really meant it. I mean, I assume he meant it. And then, then he comes back in, you know, after about, you know, I guess we played the song on loop for three minutes, and then he's back in. And he's like, well, I wanted it at 7 o'clock, but, you know... <laughs> It's like his way like yeah, a, little, a little dig. Right. Listen, so I'll, let me, I, I just. Oh, you have more, you have more context no, on this? No, I'll, I'll just quickly like go through like my experience with this exact situation. It was, I was on my car. I just gotten home. Uh, my parents are going to be in across the pond next week. Oh, wow. Where are so they going? In, uh, Scotland, Ireland, oh, God bless. Uh, Italy, Switzerland. They're going all over the place. Uh, but the 
It's my dad's 70th birthday oh, next week. Wow, boy, he looks good for 70. Appreciate, Holy yeah. shit. He appreciate Yeah, he's, uh, he's had a wow. hair on him. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So he turned 70 on Monday, September 11th. So we had like a party with my whole family yesterday. And so I get home from that. It's about 8 o'clock. Hip deep and watching this really good episode of Peaky Blinders. And I, I have a new rule. 8.30, do not disturb, goes on. Okay. For my final hour to hour mm-hmm. and a half of consciousness. I like to just kind of be at peace. No texts come in, no texts go out. And so right as I'm about to turn on Do Not Disturb, I read the text from Iggy, and I was like, I don't know how to answer this because it's not something we do. From a logistical standpoint, I don't even know how we would do it. And the audience reaction would actually, this would do a disservice to Jimmy Buffett because it would be so out of the realm of something we do. But how do, I, how do I say that to Iggy? Because I know he's not doing it maliciously <laughs> or like a look at me. He wants to honor him. But if you really want to honor him, doing that would be the, have the opposite effect. I saw it, and I'm like, this is serious. But like I said, it's 5 in the morning. And I'm like, but I mean, we don't do this. I, don't, I honestly don't recall. I mean, this is a guy who is, you know, who passed away was part of the show i don't know what we did because jay died on a friday yep friday afternoon i remember that oh. i don't remember what we did i i think we played clips and oh, we had yeah, guests yeah, yeah. oh yeah we did we had guests right. and we played a myriad but of that's a guy who all of us on the show i believe yes including yeah he was a big fan of yours uh were very close with the yep. audience loved, loved and was a part of the show yeah jimmy buffett incredibly talented but just no real affiliation with the show uh, again like it would just it would just be a little odd that like because i mean hundreds of artists have died in the 20 years the show has been on and they've never gotten a 7 a.m tribute song and the first one is jimmy buffett like not a shot at jimmy buffett not a shot at iggy it would just be odd and all it would do is lead to as you said shitting on jimmy buffett not because jimmy buffett's getting shit on but because of this Unique thing. Sure. I mean, what am I going to say? I don't really have a real strong feeling on Jimmy Buffett. I'm familiar with his work. Yep. Not a huge fan. Dined at the restaurant I, before. Margaritaville is at the. Yeah, I've. You know, oh, have you really? Myrtle Beach has a really? has a big one. I just don't really have a strong feeling. I think maybe I ate at one in Jamaica when we were coming back. I think there might have oh, been. Oh yeah, in the airport. In the is airport. that right? Yeah, I think you had a, a cold beverage at a margarita. All right, so, there you yeah. go. So I have. Yeah. It just would have been. But either way, the why am I telling the story? Number one, it's fresh on my mind, and I was confused by it. But also, number two, we work with him, and we don't fucking know. Right. But that's what makes it so great. Like, it's not—it's just—it's it's so unique that it is irreplaceable. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Now, whoever leaves the show first, I would assume it will be Doug, me or Doug, I know what will happen. It's not really tough because I've already seen what's happened with, you know, take your pick of whomever who has been a part of the program over the years. Oh, the show's over. I miss that part. So on and so forth. It's just it's just the way it's Martin Kilcoyne, producer Joe, the sea monster, the cat. Um, I I feel like if I miss anybody, that'd be like Tim must not like this person. I'm trying to. Am I missing anybody? I mean, you're a listener. I'm looking for any help if I'm missing anybody. No, I mean, we're talking about producers or on producer there. people when people when they've left yeah. the Stedman, Stedman, Projo, uh, yeah, Sea Monster, Martin the Cat, Plowhawk had his furlough. Yeah. The cat had a furlough too, Extra quote P. unquote. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it just, it, it just comes with different iterations of the show. But I am saying to you that the show can survive. 
anybody leaving. Right. But helps. I would tell you is that Iggy is the most irreplaceable because yes. there's just no, you don't go, okay, well, we got to go find Iggy. Right. Replacing his impact would be the would be. I don't know. I don't know about impact so much as that character is just you can't you can't bring in anything like that. Right. You know. Right. Um. I I don't know. I don't. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I'm wrong on this. But, um. Yeah, I really. I just. I. I. I, I like I said. I don't know. You don't know. Mm-hmm. But that's that's how. I, as far as like the show going on past me and Doug. I do feel that way. And then Iggy, I just feel, is the most irreplaceable, unique. I can't imagine there's another guy like him in radio because so many things have to, like, line up. Mm -hmm. So I've told him. I've told him this privately. I said, you are the best personality in St. Louis. I don't know call it radio anymore, broadcasting, podcasting, television, because it is an absolute personality. It is an absolute personality. But what is real and what is not... I have no fucking clue. I think it's all real, I guess, but I don't know. I mean, the Jimmy Buffett thing was real. It was very real. But if he was truly trying to pay tribute to Jimmy Buffett with this, it would have done the exact opposite. Yeah, it would have, it would have gone <laughs> terrible. Because <laughs> unless Doug, and I don't think Doug feels real strongly about anything real positive about music outside of Glowworm by the Mills Brothers. Right. And then you and the Plowhawk and me have no real feeling on Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, and then do we just, like, sit there for two well, and a half? Well, Iggy, three? you wanted to pay tribute to <laughs> And then it, all it is, and then people pile on Iggy right. for, like, this weird thing. Right. Yeah, I guess we would have just sat there for about three minutes while it played after the open. But we can't do that, right? We can't do that with licensed music, right? Yeah. There's oh, we certain... can, but we can't do it on YouTube. Certainly so can. So YouTube would have been just dead silence they while just we just would have watched us sit, sit there. <laughs> Like thinking that either the sound wasn't on or like we didn't hit the right buttons. Now, the more I think about it, the hilarity that came out of it, but I just feel bad for the, the Buffett was, family. Yeah, that's the thing, because Iggy would have been trying to be sincere. Right, and we would have been, it would have been, there would have been too much comedy around it to be sincere. I mean, I, I'm telling you, if I would have gotten that and I was like aware. Yeah. When I got it, I would have looked at my phone, what the fuck's, but I, because I got it and I'm just like, you know, I'm, just, I'm opening my phone, I'm looking at the texts and emails I got overnight. Right. It's like, okay, I don't know. And I wanted to respond. I just don't know, like, I really don't know what to say. I, I really didn't, like, I really, like, it was, I was doing a PL essentially of like the outcomes that would happen if I would have said, like, respectfully, I don't think that's a good idea because I don't think it would be doing the service you wish. I think doing it at eight o'clock would be better. That would have been a wonderful answer. It would have been in retrospect, but I truly and didn't then, know. And then presented, I think, playing it at the top of the eight o'clock hour. Right. Which is absolute solution. Right. Is the, is the problem presented solution problem? Right. Prop, Absolutely. And, and totally I reasonable. Wish I would have done that. Right. But at the same time, I was also like, I don't want to like shit on because I know this is like a good, but I just didn't know how to address. Because also, a text like that has never been sent from my yeah, perspective. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I assume it's directed at me. I guess I don't know. Yeah, well, it you definitely couldn't have been Doug. That's the only person who I can because Doug just that he would have nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But Doug and Iggy still ask me things like I'm running the place right, right. and Plowboy to an extent, but certainly Doug and Iggy. And any time, and I feel like sometimes I'm like, yeah, I don't, like, Doug goes, is it all right if I'm, I take off? I'm like, yeah, I think, I don't know, but Tommy's the guy we, you know, got to run that by. And I know Tommy, and I know Tommy would be like, yeah, take off whenever you want. Fill it out on your time card. So I know the answer is yes, but I also know it's not my place to say yes. Right, exactly. So it's just one of those things. As I've said often, the, I in part, watch this, Jackson. 
because yep. I really believe in it. I know. I believe I've said it before. Relatability mm-hmm. creates success. Mm. Success hurts relatability. Oh, boy. It's a catch-22. It is. And so along those lines, with regards to TMA, had I not taken ownership of the show, which I only did because I had the infrastructure in place and I didn't have a television job, the show would have died 13 or 14 years ago, and it would have been like a little blip on the radar had it happened at that time, 2009. But by taking over ownership of the show I then created a unique dynamic not just with me and the audience but with me and the guys I work with including mm-hmm. yourself although you really haven't been a part of it since I've not been operating it you mm-hmm. know so those guys still view me as the omnipotent one when it comes to the show which is why when I said earlier I know I will be blamed for whatever change whenever a change happens right. even though I know like if Hubbard goes hey Things have changed on the uh, advertising front here over the last quarter, and we can't hire KG in O-Town. That wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me. And what will happen? Oh, you'll get blamed. Sure, absolutely. Now, I I don't know if KG in O-Town will blame me, but a portion of the audience will. And I'm not sitting here going, that's Matt, Matt. It's just, it is, I just, it is, it's kind of, it's kind of the deal. As we talked about, I feel like a week or two ago, the cost of doing business. Yeah. So what's your choice? You just let TMA die and nobody keeps it going or you keep it going, never necessarily seeing it this way, but then also receive blame for things that you don't necessarily have anything to do with. Right. So that's the that's the cost of doing business. The do you want to you know, be one of the people with a dog avatar attacking people or do you want to be in the arena getting attacked? Always in the arena. Sure. Maybe. That's what I'm saying. So I mean it, 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 so it comes with the territory, and you just deal with it. Yep. But um, I like the forum to be able to answer the questions. I just wish my answers would be believed, right? You know. Well. But I, but I, you know, you can you can only control what you can control. All right. I hope that answers your question, DraftKings Cal. I think we did. I think we did a nice job on it. But maybe we didn't. I... Bonsu- How do you say this? Bonsoir. Bonsoir. B O N S O I R. Yeah, I think you got it. Mm. Tim and Jacques. Nice. On a recent episode of the awardless Fatin Balloon, Jacques asked, is that French for balloon party? I guess. I would just do contact clues. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for here. Um, uh, well, I'm just going to read your name like normal. Jackson <laughs> asked about the lack of attention college sports gets in St. Louis. That got me wondering, of the top 30 media markets in the United States, which ones would you say have the most interest in college sports? Is the lack of attention in St. Louis any different than most large cities? I would argue that nationally, college football would be only eclipsed by the NFL and NBA in popularity, but does that translate to attention in cities that have multiple professional teams that are competing for eyeballs? Again, I'm enjoying the show. Uh, I don't know how many of our listeners spend time in Los Angeles, but I can tell you I remember being out there, now this is two decades ago, but I, and, and this was the Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart era, but um, when the Cardinals played the Dodgers in the playoffs, and that was, you know, college football season, uh, and I remember going live from Dodger Stadium and talking with the engineers for whatever affiliate I was working for, I think it's KCBS, and I'm like, you know, they don't have the NFL there at the time, but they lived for USC football. USC football owned that place. I think in Los Angeles, it's 
you have so many teams, one of them is going to be in the mix for a championship, and whoever is, then that's the one that yeah, all the celebrities. That, right. And if you suck, then nobody shows up because it isn't cool to be there. Yeah. So college football certainly has it with USC and UCLA and LA, which is the second largest market. Uh, Chicago, third largest market, huge. I I would say, God, I don't know what the. It'd be interesting for those who live in Chicago because I feel like you have a lot of Illinois fans, a lot of Northwestern fans, but a lot of Michigan and Notre Dame fans. Big time in Chicago, and Big I might time. be missing. I don't know if there's a Michigan State presence that would surprise me. Maybe Wisconsin. I don't know, with it being right on the border. Um, what's the number four market? Is Philly, Philly? okay? Well, Penn State. Yeah. Um, I feel like I might be leaving out another one in Philadelphia. Temple. Yeah, that wouldn't be. I can't imagine that's huge there, but maybe it is. I mean, they had a Villanova. Not for football. No, certainly not. Uh, what's our fifth market? Dallas, Fort Worth. Oh, well, I don't even go on that one. Same with the sixth market, Atlanta. But yeah. So there you go. Right. I don't know how to explain it in St. Louis. I still, if you told me, we talk about buying and selling stocks, mm-hmm. I would buy up stock on college sports in St. Louis because I could get it for nothing right Similar now. Similar to buying... Buying stock in St. Louis. Right. But I would be way more confident, I would buy way more college sports presence in St. Louis fan base, and I'm including Missouri and Illinois here. This isn't a St. Louis University thing. It's not an anti-St. Louis University thing. It's more of a pro football stance. Sure. Um. Because I just feel like it is—it's—it's it's not even remotely tapped into, and and I just—I I don't think I'm wrong. This is one of those things. I, I like Gabe Diarman's one of my favorite people in the world. I just disagree with the premise that Missouri can't be a perennial powerhouse. I really do, and maybe I'm wrong on that. But I—I I feel like some of the stuff that comes with college football becomes nearsightedness on like. Like, for example, you you and I are recording this podcast the morning after Clemson lost to Duke. When I was in school at Missouri, Missouri beat Clemson, and it wasn't really that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Missouri beat Texas, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Now, I realize Texas is now on their down cycle, but Clemson is now probably exiting their period of time where they, yeah. they've been one of the Blue Bloods. My point being that a lot of these schools that are called Blue Bloods are a lot of its blue bloods over the last five or ten years. Alabama was dog shit for a while. Mike Dubose and Mike Shula before Saban came in there. Um, Georgia. Georgia went how many years? 40 years in between national championships? Oh, yeah. That was, you know, Tennessee. When I was in school, Tennessee was the team. Mm-hmm. Tennessee and Florida, right. by the way. My point being... We talk about cyclical with economics. It can be cyclical with college football. Now, there, you, you, don't get me wrong. You'll have a handful that will most likely you can point out at the beginning of the season. Okay, you know Ohio State's going to be there. You know Alabama, but that come that can come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realize Missouri has has had their moments, but they've been moments. They haven't been sustained. I just think that Missouri can be one of those. And I realize that most people listening to this right now are like, okay, you went to school there and you're a fanboy. I just, I don't view it through that lens. I view it through the lens of it's, at the moment anyway, the one prominent state school in a city, in the SEC, in a state, excuse me, in, in the SEC, with two huge cities on either side of it, with, at the moment anyway, a favorable NIL situation. Yeah. I just don't know why it can't be a behemoth. Yeah. Which is why 
I think maybe some Missouri fans get irritated with me because I just can't settle for, oh, good year, you know, seven wins. For maybe for the moment. But God, I just, you can't, it's, I mean, Deion, I think it's one of the reasons why I love what's going on with Deion, and as we're talking, I mean, Deion Sanders, who knows what'll wind up happening. But Deion Sanders, like, you got to believe. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe, then fine, then leave. But we are going to do great things here. And who gives a shit what other people are saying? Fuck them. Yeah. This is what we got to do. And I've done it before. And so here's how we do it. And you don't like it. That's fine. You can leave. I just, this whole thing with, that's why I loved Gary Pinkle. It was a minor thing, but they lost to Texas and they didn't get blown off the field. And somebody asked about a moral victory. He goes, moral victory? I don't do moral victories around here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, oh, I loved that. Oh, that's what it's about. And this isn't an anti-Eli Drinkwitz thing. It really isn't. I'd, I'd say the same thing. But you're jumping around the field because you've got six wins. Like Jim Valvano, I mean. Bad optics. The optics it's, are. I don't know. I don't like that. It's true. That's my own pet peeve. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, then like, you know, and then like calling the timeouts so you can get a touchdown against Kansas, Kansas State, State last year. Yeah, that was weak. It's just, I would say the same thing if it were, the issue is it's like, okay, you don't like Drinkwitz, that's why you're saying it. I'm like, no, that's not what it is. I just am not as high, I wasn't as high on Drinkwitz. Now I'm higher on Drinkwitz than I think a lot of Missouri <laughs> fans are. Right. I just wasn't as high on him as people were uh, initially. And I just, maybe he will do great things. I just, I don't believe he is going to be stick. If he, if he does have success, I believe he will be gone in a heartbeat. Yeah. Or he just won't have success and people overvalued him. And I don't really know why, but I, my only parallel to Eli Drinkwitz in my career doing this stuff for 20 years is Sam Bradford, that people didn't want it to not work out. People needed it to work out because if it didn't, it meant, oh, God, we've got to start over. And the idea of starting over is too scary, so we've just got to convince ourselves that it's going to work. So taking it back to not Caller Adam's question, um, I don't know why. I would tell you that if Kansas, Missouri, and Illinois were all in the same conference, if St. Louis University had a football team, college sports would, I wouldn't say it would rule St. Louis, but it would be a monster in St. Louis. A monster. Because it's a monster in Kansas City, even now, with Missouri being in a different conference than KU and K-State, and now Nebraska, which isn't that far away a lot of nebraska presence in kansas city they all used to be in one conference an eight school conference at one time the big eight and now they're you know in three different conferences for those four schools i think that's what really played a role in building a rivalry what's your opinion because i know you're a big college sports guy big missouri guy college basketball more so than anything yeah i i i don't know because i if i lived somewhere else that had something like like i don't know like Cleveland or something, or something like a comparable city of St. Louis, and could get a gauge of their interest in college sports and where their allegiances lie. I give you a better answer. I can't give you such a good answer because I also live in a vacuum. All my friends, a lot, most of my friends who live yeah. in St. Louis went to Mizzou with me, so we're all huge Tiger fans. A lot of people I know just root for Missouri, so I don't know like in general. But I also see the text on the 101 or TMA, and it's like people aren't as fired up, or there isn't that same level of passion or even general interest in college sports that others have. And so I feel like the passion from those who do love it is as strong as a passion as any other sport in terms of like football, basketball, 
baseball, like the pro sports, like the passion for college sports burns as strong, if not stronger for that, for college sports than it does for other sports. But I don't think the volume is there like it is for baseball or hockey. Right, right, right. I think that the passion is very much there. And I think sometimes maybe that passion can be a turnoff for people who are casuals. One of the things that I have found with this, and I was having a guy, I was playing golf with James Carlton, one of the wonderful sponsors of this program and TMA and Balloon Party, yesterday. And we were having a guy, he's a huge Missouri fan. I mean, Mm -hmm. God, he's everywhere right now, advertising with Missouri. And I said, here is the thing that I have observed that is so different with Missouri's situation in the SEC, and all I have to do is compare it with Arkansas because that's where I worked for a very brief time, and Missouri wasn't in the SEC at that time, is when we talk college sports— and this isn't limited to 101. I've seen, I've, I noticed this because he was asking about what it was like in 2007 and 2013 on TMA. And I said, I remember thinking in 2007, which was an incredibly, not only was it a successful team, it was an exciting team. Even if you weren't a fan, you would think that there was pushback to us talking about Missouri football then in 2007. So imagine now when right. it's you know, perceived anyway to be a doormat or a very middling team. In St. Louis... Versus, say, Arkansas, and I would venture, but I could be wrong, so I don't want to build a premise, that my, but I can speak to Arkansas because I did it. Mississippi, Alabama, uh, Louisiana, mm-hmm. South Carolina, and certainly parts of Florida. It doesn't matter at all if you went to that school. Right. That school is your quote-unquote neighborhoods states team and therefore those places whether it be oxford or auburn alabama or columbia south carolina or gainesville florida which is up north in florida relatively speaking uh baton rouge louisiana that's not about oh that's baton rouge's team or that's gainesville's team no that's our team yep I didn't go to LSU, but I grew up in Louisiana, and therefore, that's my team. That's not how it is here. I don't know why that is, but that is, it's not, of course, an absolute, but that is what I would say separates it, and I'm not really sure why, because people might go, well, those schools don't have professional teams, and I, th- I, think, there's, I think there's merit to I that. I think there's a lot of merit to I think it. there's merit to that. But at the same time, Athens, Georgia is, what, an hour at the most away from Atlanta, yeah. and that's a monster sports market, albeit a transient city. Um, goes without saying when it comes to, to, to Dallas and Houston with College Station. College Station's close to Houston. Yeah. Uh, and now you'll have Austin in, in the mix as well, which is kind of its own place at this point, but it didn't used to be. Uh, New Orleans with the Saints and the Pelicans. Point being... I think there's merit to it. I think it it would hold even more merit on the west side of the state where you have a Super Bowl champion football team. Mm -hmm. The St. Louis part, I don't have a great explanation for it. I've always felt like, and then hardcore Missouri fans would get really defensive about it, I want Missouri to be successful. I feel like Missouri does a terrible job of marketing in St. Louis. I thought this when I was a student. I thought this when I was working at KOMU. I thought this when I was working at KMOV. And now I've been doing this show for two decades. 
And I, for the life of me, I have no idea why they don't go out of their way to have a bigger presence. I have no idea. It, 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 but it, I'm not talking about, oh, I need you to spend money. I, just go out of your way to make the Missouri Tigers an SEC football team with large presences oftentimes from St. Louis recruits. Oh, yeah. St. Louis's football team. Not because you went to school there, because then you're, you're taking out a large percentage of the three million people in the area. But because it is the one big SEC state university here, capitalize on that. Oh yeah, I just don't feel like they do it. I didn't, I, and I don't necessarily know why. I'm not saying that they haven't looked into it, and the research told them it's not worth it. I don't know, but you know, I mean, Arkansas still plays to this day, and it might be the last one because it was a disaster at a place called War Memorial Stadium, which is. I want to say, I don't know what the name of the park is. It might be War Memorial Park. I feel like it reminds me of like Forest Park. It's certainly not as big, and it's in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. It's where the Arkansas Travelers, when they were the Cardinals AA team, they're still there, but they're not the Cardinals AA anymore, played at least by there in this old stadium. And I remember when I was there, Arkansas played Lou Holtz in South Carolina. Ooh. Uh, played like Louisiana Monroe. They, they used to split half their home games between Little Rock and Fayetteville. Yeah. And is working in Little Rock. I'm like, this is great. And I know why they did that, because unlike Columbia, which is right in the middle of the state, Fayetteville's up in the top northwest corner. And Arkansas Razorbacks football is for the whole state. Yeah. So they try to allow fans from the southeastern portions of Arkansas a couple-hour drive to Little Rock and try to make it the state thing. But only 40,000 people, were attendance-wise, were there this past weekend whenever they played whatever random that they played there were issues with concessions there were issues with scanning tickets it wasn't a really pretty sight that was their way to bring the program to another city another part of the state i realize missouri is playing memphis at the dome i don't my level of excitement for that is is relatively speaking limited yeah um a lot of it has to. I, I'm telling you, if they were playing at Bush Stadium, uh, yeah, I think a big well, venue is a big part of that. I mean, I just don't have any. I mean, it's taking an awesome pride. I didn't like Missouri exciting. Illinois at the Dome when it was, you know, one team was in the Cotton Bowl, and I realized we didn't know that was going to happen. One team wound up in the Rose Bowl in 2007. It's just such a shit building, and it's it's even shittier now. And it's Memphis. It's not Kansas or Illinois. Right. I'm anxious to see what the attendance numbers are on that thing. But if it were a Bush Stadium, different ball game. it'd be a different ballgame. Yeah, and I don't know if they could have made that happen because you, you can't you can't take a cardinal date. No. You can't turn that into a football field, yeah, I don't think. Quickly. And then go, okay, now we're going to play. You just can't. You know. But that, either way, my understanding is the Missouri and Memphis tickets aren't flying, flying yeah. around as far as purchases go. So... Matt Colorado, it's a wonderful question. How long have we been going on this podcast? I feel like I've been going a while, and I still have two more that I want to get to. Hour three. Wow, okay. All right. I'll go to this one. This is a nice little palate cleanser. I think it's going more toward you. Tim and Jackie. Mm. Jackson seems to have gotten himself right and rewarding. I think that meant tight and rewarding. Sure. As someone who needs to get himself a lot more tight and rewarding, I was wondering if Jackson could delve into exactly what he did to lose the weight. This is a pretty boring email, but hoping to give you maybe more of a quick hitter to break things up. Wow, wonderful job. Just <laughs> what I needed, too. Thanks for the time. Thanks. That comes from the Washington, the Washmo Bear. 
will turn you into the washmill water. Nice. Uh, it's pretty. I, like I don't want to like come off like as an asshole. This is great because Jackson and I had this exact conversation during a commercial break, but now Jackson gets to be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, like I. But it really is a pretty basic science, and I also want to. It's probably easier for me as someone who's twenty five year old and relatively healthy to drop. 20, 25 pounds than someone even 10 years later in life. Having said that, you simply need to take in less calories than you exert. You need to find out, I'd say the best strategy is find out your maintenance calories. Your There's multiple different words for it. You, you have a, what's a? T-D-E-E. T-D-E, yeah. What so, does T-D-E stand for? Total... I assume total. total daily energy expenditure. Right. So that is basically how ma- many calories do you naturally live in without exercising? Right. What is your flight? So I will, mine is 1,700. Right. I, I'm sure when I was 25, it was probably two. I operate off at 1,700. I have a feeling it's higher than that. But just to just have an, an average, idea. Right. So, like, if I take in 3,000 calories, which is a lot. Yes. It, it, it is. I'm not trying to mock people who take in a lot more than that, but that would be a lot uh, in a day. And I don't exercise, then that means I have a balance, not necessarily in the good way, right? Unless I'm looking to bulk and I'm lifting, sure, of thirteen hundred calories, right? On top of that, then you also have your macronutrients, right? Which are protein, carbohydrates, and fat. And I track all this stuff every day. Now, is it exact? No, but I certainly have an idea. I track it every day. I have a spreadsheet going back to 2007. It's insane. But this Whoop band that I wear, this is not a live read. There's plenty of devices that can get this. I have an idea of how many, like yesterday, I walked playing golf. Yeah, it can burn a lot. And and I wasn't, like sometimes when I'm playing like a stressful thing, like if there's a lot of money on the line or it's a match that I care about, um, I'll look at it. I'll be like, God, I can't wait to see how many calories I burned. And yesterday, I burned walking 3,515 calories. Right. So that it, then you take that and add that, or that that's including your TDE too, right? It's all in. Yeah. All in. So you have then exerted that many calories. 3,500. So theoretically, I could eat 3,500. And not gain weight. Right. But theoretically. The, but then you get into the proteins, and there's a percentage that you want to have a balance on. Right. Because you do need all like three. 40, 40, 20, yes. Eating fa- eating no fat is a problem, as weird as that sounds. Because then it's carbohydrates is actually what turns into fat more than right. when people think of fat. Right. Um, so I usually am in the range of well, this is one thing that I've kind of lived by, and it's not necessarily accurate since I'm not lifting weights anymore. But when I did, you know, now I weigh like a buck fifty five. Then I weighed a buck sixty five when I was lifting. Either way, I'm a tiny little boy. Let's just sure. let's just call it what it is, Jackson. All right, I'm tired of you fucking around in here. Right. Uh, That's all I'm doing. <laughs> But I eat a pound, I uh, eat a gram of protein for my body weight. Right. So about 160 grams, theoretically. Right. Theoretically. And that's in, in that protein shake, if you're watching TMA. What, 30 or 40? You no, know, it's like 50 grams, but yeah. it's only like three grams of carbohydrates. Right. Which is why I use that brand, which right. is IsoPure, for the record, if you're interested. Uh, I, I, have a, I eat the same thing every day for breakfast. I'll have coffee in the morning. Water, drink a bunch of water, I'll have a banana at the 8 o'clock break, and I'll have my protein shake at 9 o'clock. And it's just, it's right every day. I don't eat breakfast. I mean, I, that's breakfast, but I don't like have eggs and pancakes and, and bacon. Right. You know, I right. mean, I'm not making fun of that because that, that, if you're not going to eat a lot late, then that would be great because that means you're burning that through the day. Right. Yeah. That, that's no problem there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the basic formula. But there are people who have, I don't, I think, I think, I think it is, uh, 
oversensitized for whatever fucking reason blows me away. Um, like how we can't say someone is overweight and it's called fat shaming now. It's a health problem. Right. Uh, but there are people who have conditions that make it very difficult for them to carry um, a healthy body weight. And also healthy body weight is, you know, who's in better shape, me or I don't know, who's a running back, who's my size. There aren't a lot of them. But I guarantee you that motherfucker probably weighs close to 200 pounds. Right, exactly. Who's in better shape? The guy who weighs 155 or the guy who's 200 pounds? Right. You know, so the, the weight thing can be a misguided thing. I would say this. I use, what is the name of the app that I enter all this? My Fitness Pal. I love it. I enter it everything that I eat. So that way I have an idea of, I mean, you can, you know in the back of your mind, but then also your, your macronutrients and your calories. And then I wear a whoop band, but like you said, Apple Watch, whatever, and it tracks my, and I just like to have an idea. Yeah. And, it, and his, I look at pictures of myself, man. I mean, this is relatively recent. I mean, in 2014, oh God, I was kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say I was fat. But it was like skinny fat. And body composition was Yes, really exactly right. And that's where the macronutrients thing. And now I'm obviously nearly a decade older. And I'm like, oh, that looks a hell of a lot better than that. And it, and it wasn't because I was working out. Right. But it was it was eating like shit. It's all about eating. It's always, yeah. It's all, I, there are plenty of people I think work out so they can eat like shit. Right. But if you actually want to see progress, it's the eating thing. And I feel like once you do it, and once you know, I think a lot of people also want to do it right, but there's so much misinformation. Like you can't just drink diet soda. No. Sure, it's no calories, but there are other chemicals in the diet soda that have a negative impact Aspartame. on your body. Um, low fat. Look at the carbohydrates. Look at the ingredients. Like if you really give a shit, if you just want to, you know, tear yourself up, be my guest, not my body. I don't fucking care. Right. Um, I do think it's a. It's a, it's a material issue in the United States for yeah. myself, oh, yeah. for whatever reason. It's like, you can't talk about it. I have no idea why. Like, I can't do anything about the fact that I'm short. No, you cannot. But it's cool to make height jokes. And it's fine. I don't fucking care. It's fine. Right, but, but it's accepted. It's accepted. It's an, I, But, you know. Someone's fat. Something they <laughs> control. Not everybody Not can. Not everyone. Thyroid issues. Sure. If I could give three tips. Three, Jackson's three tips because you've lost how many pounds? 25, 30 Around pounds? 25. I've lost about 25 pounds. Uh, since the end, the beginning of February, I would say track everything. At least so to are start. Are you tracking everything now? Not anymore, but that's because I've developed so a this good is fraudulent advice. Well, it's because I've developed good habits, and I'm not in the, yeah. the heart of my cut. Um, I'll do have three tips and three misconceptions. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm serious. So track everything to start. At least for the first two weeks of what your plan is, track everything. That'll give you a really good idea of what you can and can't eat based on what you've done working out. Uh, and this is operating under the assumption yeah. that you have some sort of trackable device. You can get something for 30 bucks. You can get something for 300 If it tracks your heart rate and stuff like that, you'll be in good shape. So track everything for the first two weeks to give yourself an idea of what you'll need to do. Uh, second, so when you go work out and, like, you do 25 minutes on the treadmill, that's great. You've mm. probably burned a good amount of calories. You can't just stop there, though. Like, you need to every hour or so I would say just kind of walking around for five minutes getting keeping your kinetic movement up as much as possible like when you get home from the gym and after you've done everything like maybe taking a walk around the neighborhood like that's really good because that'll keep your body moving and so because if you if you only are active for an hour a day and then the other 23 hours you're completely static it's not doing you that much of a benefit 
And the third thing is allow yourself to like also eat properly. Cause I would say sustainability is a big problem with some people. Yeah. Like you can go a week without eating with eating clean and working out, but that's not really sustainable. That's exactly right. Like maybe on Friday, you're starving and then you eat 3,500 calories in one night and you're for the day because you ate a shitload at night. It's a weird thing. I'd love to talk about it more. I I feel like it's a hyper. Well, that's what I'm getting back to. I, I never got back to it on the Missouri thing. It's, it's odd because I wanted to, like when I told James, my theory the Missouri thing, and I'll tie this back into the weight loss question. It's like, well, I didn't go to school there. What are you like bragging? You went to college, and I'm like, I went to Missouri. I mean, I don't feel like that's like a brag. Right, right. But at the same time, you know what? There's plenty of people who would love to have been in a position to go to Missouri. Perspective, yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I mean, I look at it and I go, I was probably posi- in a position to do more. I mean, because I look at the major I had, and don't get me wrong, it absolutely played a role in in my career. The University of Missouri Journalism absolutely did. But now, what I'm doing, it's like. You know, I mean, did I really need to do that for that? But but, but I mean, it got me right. going. Right. But in St. Louis, the reception is, well, I didn't go to school there. And then I feel like there's this anti-education thing that comes in like, oh, you're talking college because you went to college. So you're talking down to me and I didn't go to college. And I, and I said that to James yesterday when I was kind of explaining it. And he goes, oh, my God, I love a deep dive on that. I go, be my guest because you want to talk, have that conversation. You're going right. to go into this. It's like when people, oh, I hate the golf talk. No, you don't. You don't like that you aren't in a spot where you can play golf. I, 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 people, like, I know most people don't want to sit there. I don't want to sit down and, and break down a guy's strokes gained approach. I'm not going to do that. Right. But we're talking golf on TMA. We're like fumble fucking around about it. It's not like right. a serious breakdown of what's going on with Scotty Scheffler's, you know, putterhead. Yeah. Right. You know, that's not the way it is. It's a socioeconomic thing. And that's an undercurrent in St. Louis. And I don't know what that's, I think a lot of money has gone out of St. Louis I think there's a lot of money still in St. Louis, but it's like for the tippy top. Right. And a lot of the people who have it have had it for right. well before they were around. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And so I think that's what goes on with the Missouri thing in, in, in college football discussion in general. It's so odd to me. I mean, to like, like, go, God, can we talk about college football? It's a second biggest fucking thing going on without question, especially right. with the Blues not playing, the Cardinals in last place. It's the biggest thing at the moment, but then the the NFL, and then some people have an aversion to the NFL. I get that one. Um, And then talking about weight loss, and some people get hypersensitive about it. But why? Why would we be hypersensitive about it? Right. It's an honest conversation. If you don't want to hear it, don't. And like I said, be my guest. Eat whatever the hell you want. I don't give a shit. You know, that's it's your body. But, you know, it's like, oh, I'd be tired of hearing about, like, the calorie thing. Well, if we're asked about it and give an answer... Here's the answer. It's not a brag. It's it's something that anybody, and I don't say anybody because I do think there are people with conditions, but the vast majority of people you can do. And then once you know it, I think it's easy. Oh, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. It becomes a math formula. It's it, That's all it is. Right. And it's going to require some discipline at the outset. I mean, a year ago, maybe a year and change ago, I was eating almost a full family-sized bag of caramel M&M's every fucking night so not only am i just taking on god only knows 800 just empty calories maybe more it's chocolate yeah sugar goes through the roof and and then also chocolate is that like hypes you up before you go to bed yeah bad yeah i mean what in the fuck i don't have a blame for that that was just 
dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, I can sit there, oh, I haven't drank soda in four years. Well, I was eating a bag of caramel M&Ms a night. Right. You know, it's a look in the mirror thing. But I think sometimes people don't necessarily want to look in the mirror and want to blame some other circumstance or get angry about another conversation. So... Uh, or not have the honest conversation, but you've done it. I didn't. I wasn't sitting there going, "Oh, Jackson's overweight." No, well, it was uh, something I wanted to do it for myself. Yeah, and you just did it, right? And God bless. Yeah, just kind of. And then once you, but I also don't sit there and notice you lost <laughs> right. a bunch of weight either. You right. know, you've brought it up. I noticed the hair thing. That's what I noticed. I think the hair is trending. Appreciate you. Yeah, the, the, certainly, and it's in my face the most. That was the most frustrating. And I would look at like pictures of my face and be like, "Oh." pie face and so I wanted to that's what I see with like the pictures from nine years ago right and I, I hate that so I've tightened it up and that's really helped to my face I feel like the most but I there's a when it comes to like weight loss like just kind of looking at it differently where it's like all right now's the day where I start like your diet or weight loss or change of lifestyle is not going to be underlined or changed or completely upended because of one bad meal. Right. One bad meal will not change it. It takes, I think, 3,500 calories over your daily calorie limit to add a pound of fat. That might not sound like a lot, but that is a lot of calories. Because now you're upwards of like probably 5,000 calories that day. That's uh, that's like a couple milkshakes and a couple burgers and fries. Like You would have to do a real rough day to gain that pound of fat real quickly. Having said that, you also need to eat enough calories because then your metabolism is going to change. If, if like... Because I had this problem when I first started losing weight. I was like eating nine to eleven to twelve hundred calories a day while working out. That's not ideal. You want to be close to that number to lose weight, but not over it. Yeah. Because then, if you don't, your metabolism changes, and now it takes a lot less food for you to start. And the energy. Exactly it gets right. real scientific. Yeah, but, but I mean, they're, they're, what you're talking about is right. true. So starving yourself also is not a good plan of action because then your body will come will change with that. And then there's also a, a number of other health problems you can run into if you start doing that. You need to eat a certain, like enough food, but you don't need to be overindulging. And then also combining that with working out and probably five, six weeks, you're going to see results even quicker than that. That is true. Even quicker than that. If you just do it even half of those times will be in good shape. There you go, Washmo Bear. Uh, all right, uh, final one, Jackson, for today. Two-part question for the podcast, and you can send yours in. Anything and everything is welcome. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSteel.com. YouTube golf content is hot, hot, hot right now. A ton of good creators out there like Bob Does Sports, Good Good, Foreplay, Busted Jack, Bryson DeChambeau, Haley Ostrom, Claire Hogel, Rick Shields, Brian Bros. You familiar with all these? All of them. Uh, to name a few. Do you envision dipping your toe into this YouTube golf space, not to compete against these creators, but to see what kind of advertising opportunities open up as a result? I ask this because you have an audience in Dais that has an appreciation for golf, and you have expressed an interest in building your social media presence. I envision an occasional Break 69 challenge featuring a four-man scramble of Jackson, Tim, Iggy, and Plowhawk at Gateway from the back tees. I would think we would do that. Break 69? Yeah. 100%. Okay. Wow, look at that. Look at you. <laughs> I mean, breaking, what would that With be, a three under? Scramble? Yeah, three I mean, under? Kinda, yeah, 100%. I was, yeah, I mean, I don't... I think we can set better goals. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, break 69. I'm like, oh, is it because of the number 69? And I was like, oh, okay. And it's par 71, I think? 71 or 72, yeah. Or a nice piece of fish challenge where every golfer has to take a bite out of a fish dinner provided by Iggy on every hole. Oh, God, or, sooner, yeah. yeah, I'm passing on that. <laughs> or perhaps some simulator sessions with Jackson and PJ Pro Dan to teach him how to compress a seven iron. However, it was actually written. Nice. 
Isn't that what Stephen A. Smith says? That's where I get that from. Him or Perk, yeah. Uh, I think Stephen A. That's does become, that. It's becoming attributed to me, and I'm like, oh, I absolutely ripped that off. <laughs> However, this would require a significant amount of investment in production resources, cameras, sound, and most importantly, editing help. I do not know what kind of support you could get from advertisers, and it would likely take quite some time to realize ROI on the initial investment. I'm not sure of KG's skills and content editing, but the dude seems to be a real go-getter and comes off a smart dude. I guess what I'm trying to really say is how this might happen. I really haven't figured out, but I do believe in it. What do you guys think? That's question one. Then we got a question two coming. Okay. I'll tend to this. I honestly, I would love it. I would love it if it became my full-time job. It would be the greatest thing ever. I just, uh, I, I mean, I'll list the reasons. I was about to say for a number of reasons. I, I already was saying I have way too much as yeah. it is on my plate, so to take that on. This would be a Hubbard thing, uh, so we wouldn't have to worry about outsourcing it. I mean, I guess theoretically we could do it, but I'm sure Hubbard wouldn't be involved. Hubbard also has the sales staff and also has the production team. Um, I would love it. Um, I don't know if we could do it at a level like that. Right. So, you know. Just the, I mean, you got to be one of those handfuls of people for it to... Uh, no laying up, I would include in there. I know they go out there and do some stuff right. um, for it to realize material gains. But those no laying up guys quit their jobs to... Oh, yeah. To Bob the sports guys, too. Is that right? Oh, yeah. God, that's so awesome. Oh, oh. It's incredible. But, I, you know, but they're also, I mean, they're kind of going on to a final frontier, last frontier, because there's no precedent for this kind of stuff. So there's no time to, there's no, right. no one knows the shelf life of it. Uh, but from what I can tell, it is good stuff and might replace stuff like the golf channel yeah i agree like it it's a huge undertaking like these guys that's all they do when you all those people that were listed outside of no way i mean they those all, all do podcasts too but that's all they do is shoot golf videos and they go on two week long trips like i know bob does sports and rick shields two guys mentioned in that were just in scotland doing video stuff they spent a week and a half doing that we right. do other stuff you're not saying that it's like oh we don't have time for that but we literally do not have time to be doing stuff like that and at that level i think we can do stuff around the golf space and make it look pretty good absolutely we can i think we did that with the nagel video but i think that there's more and more to that and these people are putting out multiple videos a week i don't know if we could ever get at that level i would love to do it though let me make that clear it's just not it's just not somebody would have to wear the c on their sweater to get it off the ground i know it can't be me Mm -hmm. so i just and i know your situation and you certainly have some might be very passionate about i can tell you that you have uh, a lot of responsibility as it is Uh, and then question number two and this is directed for you jackson it's been great to see you grow in confidence on tma and balloon party thank you it's obvious that you're putting in the work to develop yourself into a broadcast hero and I really admire your attitude and maturity, especially at your age. It's also obvious that you really look up to Tim, as you've learned a lot about this industry from him, as well as life in general. Do you ever envision yourself leaving TMA and getting experience with other shows and personalities? I do not have a career in broadcasting excellence, however. I do not have a career in broadcasting excellence. However, it seems to me that getting a diverse set of experiences with different personalities would help you grow even more in this profession. That's from Jason. Please don't include my last name on the air. There you go. Cool. Yeah, I uh, I agree with what uh, the person said. I've learned a lot from Tim. He's been incredible. He's done nothing but good by me. You're a gentleman. Um, and I have learned a lot from Doug and Iggy and Plowhawk, absolutely, and a ton of the people. I would say I do not currently have interest in working in anything other than TMA, Balloon Party, this podcast. 
Are you uh, fielding offers? I am not. Uh, it would certain if I did move on to something else in the broadcast world, it would not be uh, sports talk radio, like by the number of sports talk radio. I, there isn't another show like TMA, as far as I'm concerned, out there. So, like, that's kind of hard to compare. But it would not be like go into Cleveland to do sports talk radio. That's something that does not interest me. If something more like a newer media kind of thing, like I'm a big fan of The Ringer, um, The Athletic, stuff like that, like newer somewhat, because The Ringer isn't that young, but somewhat younger place was like, hey, we got this option. Then I would consider it because that is, they probably would give more freedom. I don't think I could talk, like I don't think I would be a good broadcaster of straight sports talk because... I mean, one sport I'm completely out on. <laughs> truly have <laughs> that would be tough to do it in St. Louis. Wouldn't very it? little interest in in really jumping on that bandwagon. So, no, I uh, I think that the lessons I learn both in life and the workplace and business far outweigh what I've learned in broadcasting. There you go. Yeah, and I think those are more applicable moving forward for me. Um, let me reread it, even though I know this was obviously geared towards you because uh, there was something as I was reading it that I felt like uh, Jackson it's been great to see your own confidence on TMA and Balloon Party it's obvious that you're putting in the work to develop yourself into a broadcast hero I, I would say you're not doing any work whatsoever from a broadcasting standpoint but you're doing a bunch of key production work mm-hmm. behind the scenes mm-hmm. for TMA and then the questions you come up with for Balloon Party that that's the one that might not necessarily have you know a lot of appreciation but god i appreciate that that's that's outstanding because uh, it's like i don't put in work i just talk right no actually when you i leave, put in work for sales yeah. and for relationships with staff and you know yeah the, the developing the other elements of the business, whether it be the podcast or balloon party or TMA and, and the stuff behind the scenes um, that's gone on over the years, that's certainly been heavy lifting. But as far as, and that would be different on a different show. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly, I just, I can't imagine doing a show where it's scripted out. I just don't have any interest in it. I suppose if, you know, I'm like desperate and I need to make, I just don't know if I, I really hope I would not be in that spot i would just go to a different industry you know or just retire period (laughs) i'm not i just it just would bore the fuck out of me to go hey coming up in this segment we're going to break down the missouri south dakota game and then after that we're going to talk about the cardinals are playing the pirates for three and then after that we're going to go into i don't even know uh the college football games we're looking forward to watching this weekend and then you know after that i'm just oh my god oh right yeah once you leave i usually do about 30 to 40 minutes of uh whether Baker Mayfield will work in Tampa or not. And I just talk. I don't turn the mics on or anything. You just Orlovsky. Yeah, and I talk to my son. I like kind of like predict what you're going to say so that I know how to come back with it. And I'll I'm do like that. Thinking, you shoot video of Yeah, I do that for about 45 minutes a day. So <laughs> you could say I am working. So you are putting in the work. I take that back. Yeah. You are putting in the work. Yeah, and then teasing. I, I, do, I did a six-week teasing camp. Um, six-week teasing camp. They yeah, do now. I yeah, know they do on the weekends. Weeks. Yeah, it's six-week combined uh, teasing camp. Nice. And I'll get my certification with that. So I think uh, by Q4, I'm going to be in really good shape. Teasing camp. Can you imagine? Uh, I disagree with the, uh, do you ever envision yourself leaving TMA and getting experience with other shows? I do not have a career in broadcasting excellence. However, it seems to me that getting a diverse set of experience with different personalities would help you grow even more in this program. 
I just don't think that that I'm not. And, and, and as this gentleman Jason uh, pointed out, he isn't in the industry. I just don't think that matters. Like you don't need to be right. I'm talking about. I'm looking back on my career. I I don't think that that's. I would say finding mentors who you think highly of to be able to talk to off air that has been helpful for me but not necessarily like i'd be out of place on i don't even know what what where would i fit in anywhere else you know and i'm, I'm looking in this entire building i'm looking over across at the kc95 studios 106.5 the art studios 101 espn i can see them all right here jackson mm-hmm. i can see it all it's just we kind of do our own thing right and i really enjoy that yeah that that, that you know but um yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think that. You, I mean, hey, I don't speak for you. I just don't think it's like, yeah, I need to go work with Riz, even though Riz is like the greatest fucking no. guy, especially for how successful the show is. No, I just don't. Th- not like I'm like, oh yeah, maybe we'll have Jackson work on our show for a month, and King Scott will come over and work on TMA. It's just the personalities work for the roles on the shows. Right, right, and uh, you know, yeah, I don't see any value like for me personally to go beyond like to diversify the kind of personalities I work with, like. I kind of like if it like if you would ask me at the end of 2020 like would you do any other radio besides DMA? I'd be like, no, I would only do mm-hmm. TMA. I work. The people are like what got you into radio? It's like no, what got me into TMA? Like that's there's a difference. Like I don't have a, I don't want to say I don't have a passion for radio, but I don't have a passion for like stuff that isn't what I know. You know what right. I'm saying? And maybe I would have it for stuff I don't know. I just don't, I'm not really interested in finding out. To be quite frank with you. Yeah. Pretty happy where we're at. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's a good way to summarize it. Uh, all right, well, uh, shut it down here. Thank you to uh, our sponsors who make the program possible: Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert; James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency; Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies; Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling; DesignAirService dot com; and finally, Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, and Peter Munganas at Munganas St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been. The Tim McKernan Show, QFTA, from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.